welcome to the September uh, call for the Centropic Alumni Plus Open Call. On this particular uh, call, we had uh, two guests, or one guest and one Centropic alumni. Uh, Kent Langley was our guest. Uh, he works uh, uh, on empowering people through technology and is one of the smartest people I know in reference to the use of technology in companies, uh, dashboards and so on and so forth, uh, and an awesome human on top of that. And uh, Mark Eckhart, who is the CEO of Common, a global community of social entrepreneurs. And I presented a short piece from the Centropic uh, Universe uh, on steward leadership. So I do hope you enjoy this call. It is unedited, and, uh, and so um, you'll hear the conversation at the front end, uh, but we like it to be real. Thank you for listening. Great, thanks, Christine. All ready to go? Make some technical. <laughs> I thought that looked like what was happening. <laughs> I that's fine. That's better. Yeah, that's better. Okay, good. So we're almost we're so close to getting all of that in. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. While well, you're all set. I've got record going. <laughs> how's um how's life in Tasmania? Um, very windy. It looks like um with climate change or whatever we want to call it, um the winds move to be September as much as October. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Used to come sort of after the equinox, but now it comes sort of like around the time and before and it, and sometimes the gusts are 140, 160 and it's like, woo! Wow, wow, yeah. wow, wow. Well, which part, where are you based again? Which part are you? Hobart. You're in Hobart, yeah. Yeah. I've got, so, um, I've got someone from Richmond on the master current masterclass that started this week. Is it Tony? No, no. Um, no. no, no. Um, on the masterclass that, you know, I started that um, is on a Tuesday night. Um, no. Not, oh, okay. Wow. Because I've been still sending things to um, Anthony Houston. Yes. Who's the uh, um, Houston Farms, which is all over. Woolies buys their lettuces all over. Oh. Yeah. Great guy. He's no, um, he's no long, he's retired. Um, but he's, he's into a lot of things that are the similar, uh, you know, um, thinking. Yeah. So... I, I um, hope to get that one day he takes up my offer. <laughs> well, you can let him know that uh, the next alumni call, which is I'll be telling people about, which is October 15th, we have Daniel Christian Weil, who um, his work is Regenerative Cultures, and he was part of um, Findhorn Foundation and so on. And so he's got an extremely high background in in um, regenerative land communities, cultures and stuff like that. Oh. Yes, my one of um, I used to live with this amazing lady in Adelaide um, who died a few years ago, 
who was older than me, and she went to Findhorn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I do remember it well. I mean, the pictures <laughs> and the stories. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, so Daniel will be on the next um, alumni call. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, just waiting for more people to arrive. Yes. How's, it, how's your feeling been about Tasmania's response to um, COVID and so on? Oh, you know, really great um, in lots of ways, but it's really uneven. Um, yeah. You know, people can, some people get like, they've been bringing workers in to work on buildings yeah. um, and, you know, not, not allow, and they don't have to go into quarantine um, and not uh, um, allowing people to go anywhere without going to quarantine. Um, in my case, I wanted to go to Queensland and they wouldn't give me a pass to let me back in. Um, and, and that's really like strange. But when I was talking to the ordinary people, not the police part, um, who give the passes, um, they said I could, st I could quarantine at home. I didn't have to go to you know, a hotel. I could quarantine at home when I had two people in my house who could come and go ha however they wanted. I mean, that doesn't make sense. So yeah, that, that stuff's a bit funny, but yeah. No, we've, I think everybody's really pleased. We're very lucky. We, um, we are an extra island. <laughs> and, and also that we had the outbreak in the beginning and they stopped that really well. Um, one of my best friends was on the Ruby Princess and her husband was really sick. And on, you know, they thought he would die um, and gave him the drug whatever drug it is, um, and he pulled through. He was on ABC because oh, he was the first person over 70 right. to pull through. But she, she was in quarantine for six weeks at different times, taking him to hospital and stuff, and she never got it. Oh, good. That's mm. right. So, yeah, that's excellent. People are here now. Bye. Okay. So welcome, Mark. Good to see you. Hi, Christine. Good to see you too. How are you? Are you well? Uh, Doing well, hanging in there, one one foot after another. One foot after another. Lovely yeah. to see your beautiful face. Uh, Julie, welcome. Uh, Ken, good morning. Showing up, which is great. Always good when the when the feature speakers show up. <laughs> Take a deep breath. <laughs> um, Shailene, welcome. Uh, so we'll just wait a couple more minutes. Um, before we get started, there's Kent's background. <laughs> Kent demonstrates his tech wizardry through tech wizardry. <laughs> there you is there go. Some, is there some other way? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Always so much fun. You never know what you're going to get <laughs> with, uh, with Kent's background experience. <laughs> So how, um, how are the, uh, you anywhere near the fire zone, Kent? About 15 miles away is one of the, one of the larger ones. Uh, but at the moment, and I'm really grateful to be saying this, for two days now we've had extremely clear, breathable air, which just means the wind is blowing in a favorable direction. Uh, all the fires are still burning. You know, we went 10 days here without seeing the sun or a star in the sky. Um, and it was, it was 
pretty brutal. I mean, if you've not been forced to simulate smoking eight packs of cigarettes a day, um, you know, for 10 days straight, uh, I, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. But uh, the fires themselves are reasonably well contained at this point up in the North Bay. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. So the North Bay, the South Bay, and west of us out toward Inverness and in the parklands uh, in West Marin. So yeah, uh, better, uh, but still fire season. So we've got our bags packed just in case. Yeah. Well, the, the Aussies on the call, there's a couple of uh, people that are, um, I can see that have probably, and even us, and it was only a year, it was a year ago that the, the fire started. It started here in our location. And, uh, and where we had days of where you couldn't see anything in the smoke and everything else like that. And then of course it lasted well into February. So, um, yeah, yeah. We, the Aussies are, a lot of us Aussies are very experienced um, bushfire uh, people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it seems to just be the story of the current world. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, but, it's, it's, it's to hear that you can breathe air at the moment, which is great. Oh yeah, it was just, it's been such a relief these last two days to be able to breathe. Uh, I mean, really, uh, I just, I look, I mean, you look at places historically like Delhi or Mumbai and you think, my gosh, uh, I mean, I, it was 10 days for me. It's been like that for them their whole lives. We have to fix that, <laughs> you know? Very good. So um, we've got people joining. It's good to see. Good to see you again, Jerry. Good to see you back. Audrey, Jewel, um, Gina, uh, and um, Kate is there. Um, a couple of people that I don't know. Welcome. Uh, and of course, you know, I'm just speaking to Kent, who's 15 miles from a um, major fire front in California. And uh, um, so fortunately, they've got some respite from the smoke phase at the moment, um, which is great. Uh, we are going to get started because I like to keep this, we keep this very tight and on time. And uh, and so, um, Shane, good to see you. Um, Robin, good to see you from the common community. That's great. <laughs> uh, so just a brief introduction um, for those of you who have not come across the work of um, Centropic. Uh, this has been a, a 30 plus year journey. I want to honor Jerry Spizer, who's um, on this call, who's also um, uh, steeped in the work of Bucky Fuller. Um, back, um, I've actually learned from Jerry over the years. <laughs> and, uh, and so thank you. And uh, essentially what's entropic, syntropy is the opposite to entropy. Entropy is the second law of thermodynamics that says that we are in a degenerative universe. And Bucky Fuller, um, my mentor of, uh, since my mid-20s, um, has um, always proposed that we're in a syntropic universe, an eternally regenerative universe, that actually things are becoming, um, that we have the option, we have the option as humans uh, to have things uh, be increasingly better. And so syntropic enterprise, um, the, the term syntropy is towards a higher order or in, you know, simple, simple speak, leave everything better. Um, and an enterprise is a human endeavor. So it doesn't matter whether it's a community group, a large scale corporate, a not-for-profit, a charity, whatever it is. It's when humans come together to make stuff, um, to make, uh, to do products and services, 
um, to have community initiatives, whatever that is. And so a centropic enterprise is where we thoughtfully leave everything better for having come together as humans. And, uh, and what we're doing in this work is that we're, um, rather than trying to fix the broken system or change it, um, creating new models that make the existing obsolete. That was one of Bucky's um, better known quotes. And so really looking at how to apply the laws inherent in nature to enterprise design and human coordination. And while, you know, I, you know, I find it amazing that um, we have never actually done that. We've never actually gone. <laughs> there is this incredible encyclopedia of laws, which is the working laws of universe upon which we engage and walk every day. But we've ignored them largely when we apply them to how we come together as humans and how we create things. And so Centropic Enterprises um, is essentially a group of people, a community growing around the world um, who are very determined to uh, apply these sort of models to, the, to their own enterprise uh, and um, to, to create a world with a future, you know, in short terms. And so we, we unpack everything from legal to governance to finance to provisioning, to enterprise design, to how we account for value. I mean, it is a whole, um, a whole systems approach to enterprise design. So what I'm going to cover today um, very briefly is I just give you a little taste and then I'm going to hand over to Kent um, uh, and, um, and then to Mark. So the brief little taste that I give you today is um, stewardship or steward leadership. And uh, so, this is really the, the custodial response to how we steward uh, the idea that we're bringing into the world. And so uh, anyone who is, has had um, experience in business knows that in order for something to get started, a business idea, an enterprise, there is this original idea. We call it in Centropic, we call it a source idea. Uh, and it needs to be big enough to animate us to act. And it needs to be um, powerful enough to animate us to keep acting, even when the forces of everything and all the challenges come up. And so a steward is very different to the hierarchical leadership. Again, we're looking at how nature works. And the way that I work with stewardship is or with with the enterprise design is it's akin to a cell membrane and this i'm giving you a one dimension of a three-dimensional uh, cell and so is anyone familiar you can put your hands up if you um, have um, background in cell biology or anything else like that but anyone got some yeah so a cell cell membrane is an incredibly complex um exquisite um, architecture. And so we liken stewardship, the steward leader, um, to the cell membrane. Uh, and it, rather than being top down, you know, like the, the traditional business hierarchy, the steward is holding the shape or the space for the source idea, the idea that you're generating to be brought to life. And so in, there are some really critical components to that. Uh, and, and these are all counter to business 101. So, so 
first of all, we have to be really clear about um, the integrity, we call it the pattern integrity of the idea that we're bringing into life. Every idea has its own unique, you could say DNA blueprint, pattern integrity, just like a child. And any of you that either have children or are gardeners, kind of, you know, trying to cover the bases, if you're, if, you're, if you're familiar with children, you'll know that they might have the same biological parents, but they're completely different in the way that they present, present themselves in the world. And our role as parents is to steward the ecology in which that uniqueness can be brought into its magnificence. And so if you've got more than one child, it becomes a complex task because um, no child is the same. And so you know, how do you create the ecology for that um, when you've got more than one child? And so with, with steward, um, the steward as leader, it's how do you ensure that the, the idea um, that animates you and the people around you to act maintains its integrity but also deploys the principle of synergy, which is where when people come together, the, the output of people coming together in the right ecology produces an exponential um, experience that cannot be determined um, if you just have the individuals working separately. And so all of these things live within the ecology of a steward leader. And the cell membrane, you know, it needs to be designed so that some of the elements of the cell um, can't leave the cell. And some of the elements that we don't want to come in can't get in. But the rest is this beautiful free flow. So this is how, you know, a cell lives in um, an ecology. It has this interchange of the right ingredients but it prevents some things from leaving and it's this is the immune response stops some things from gaining access <clears throat> so part of the role of the steward leader is is a is a literally a space holding component uh, and so it's not the um and we you know really challenge these the leader as needing to go hard be always busy uh, because the intelligence of a cell membrane is such that it needs to have complete uh, fluency of the ecology on the interior of the cell within the ecology of the exterior of the cell so if it's if it's a cell in christine's liver for example um, the cell membrane is attenuated to the interiors of that particular cell but then also attenuated to the larger ecology of, of my organ, the liver, but also has the intelligence to adapt to the liver in Christine's body that happens to be in the Southern Hemisphere entering summer in our season, um, which is different to the ecology of the people that are on this call from North America. Uh, and so, um, the, the miracle of biology is that if I put a little piece of a drop of honey on my tongue, the cells in my big toe almost immediately know that sugar is in, in the system. That's the level of communication. So when we're speaking about the steward, steward leader, um, it is, there's a deep communion that is required 
a deep communion of the interior of the ecology that they're holding within the exterior world, um, which requires attention and attunement um, rather than wall-to-wall -wall busy. And, and if we do a really good job of creating the enterprise architecture, the, the, the threshold crossing experience uh, that enables this ecology to be healthy, then the steward leader will have very little requirement to um, manage people because the management has been designed into the architecture that holds the shape of the of the enterprise and so um, in you know part of the work that we do in centropic world is um, we have a template for that it's not a fixed template it's not a one-size-fits-all but the trust manifesto um, is a template that enables people to come together within a community that enables highly um, people to show up in their full agency but work together in commun community and it's very self-managed so biology does self-management really well why haven't we done it as humans and this is you know this is getting the communication so a large part of what we're exploring in centropic world is how do we bring the um the laws that you know nature have worked with for 14 billion years um you know people go is this evidence-based well we walk upon it every day <laughs> um, we <laughs> drink from it eat from it breathe you know so on and so forth um and uh you know i would argue very strongly that nature's got how we coordinate um, and, and thrive figured out a lot more powerfully than most of us humans and we're probably having that experience on the planet right now. So that's kind of like a high level um, view of what it is to be a steward leader. Um, the critical components are that you need to um, hold the shape um, create the container for a group of people, whoever show up around the purpose that you're working on, um, uh, to bring their brilliance and to be able to do that in a way that is um, both self-managed and developmental by design within that framework. And therefore, you as the leader need the capacity to uh, let people be who they are um, rather than needing to um, be bo the bossy boss or the dictator or whatever. And so I discovered through this, you know, through my learning process of this, that if we get this enterprise architecture right, the amount of times that we need to go in and intervene should be the exception versus the norm. And in um, when the original model for this in 2015, um, we only needed one ever. Um, over a six month period with a group of 12 very diverse people. So that's kind of a little bit of background. I've, get, there's, um, I've got a couple of minutes if people want to ask any questions about this, um, please feel free to raise your hand if you have any questions about this, this the uh, model of steward as leader. Um, if you, I can't, some of you I can't see, um, so just unmute, your, um, unmute yourself and ask a question if you have a question. Anyone? Everyone got this? We're good. We're good to go. <laughs> I 
I know Mark is a very good steward leader. That's one of the reasons why he's here. <laughs> Christine, I'm wondering, um, this is Robin. I, I agree, Mark is a very good steward leader. And, um, you know, one of the things I noticed Mark doing and other um, leaders who I admire is, is it goes beyond leaving people where they are and really being able to meet them where they're at. And since we're talking about developmental frameworks, you know, there are languages that are just a lot more accessible to, to people at, in certain places of, of development that might be more concrete and more external and others, you know, as, as people evolve that become more internal and then both and so on. And so I'm just wondering within this framework, you know, how do you build in a, a developmental kind of understanding that allows uh, a, a meeting of people in all of those really in active inclusion, actively engaging people and all the different ways they're making meaning? Yeah. And so, um, and that, that for me, that lives in the enterprise architecture. And we have a process, um, this is not theoretical, by the way, this is actually applied work, but we have a process called synergistic accounting, which looks at, um, gets people, you know, I have a personal belief that if people want to be part of an enterprise, it's not just a free pass. It's, you know, not just, you know, so there is a, there is a, in traditional speak, it would be an onboarding or an intake process or something like that. We don't use traditional speak here, but there is actually a threshold crossing. And if you want to be part of a something, um, particularly a, a centropic enterprise, um, and by the way, the term centropic enterprise is in the creative commons. So I don't own it and nobody owns it. Um, and uh, we have an ambition that it becomes a common term, common way of doing business. But if you want to be part of a, a centropic enterprise, then you need to, as, as the participant, to cross that threshold, need to do some heavy lifting. <laughs> you know, you need to be actively, because it's active participation versus passive. And so um, the, in the Trust Manifesto, um, we, we have people go through this synergistic audit. And the synergistic audit in its own design builds development in. So in a simple form, you know, what do you have the capacity, willingness and desire to bring to this enterprise in six domains? And for that bringing, what do you expect in return in those six domains? And anyone who knows, or anyone that is human, hopefully all of us on the call, we haven't got any bots here at the moment, but hopefully all of us on the call here are human. Um, we either have difficulty uh, speaking our value or difficulty asking for our value to be compensated in some form. And then we have the inter-experience, the interpersonal experience within community. And so I might have an, an experience of you, Robin, and thinking, you're not doing your work, you know, you're being lazy ass. And so how do I create within the enterprise design the robustness of having that conversation that elevates versus brings down? And, and through that process, of recognition and feedback that's designed into the architecture, we actually get to grow up. And so what I know for sure, I know this works because the, the uh, you know, it was 30 years of failure in how to bring people together <laughs> and having it fall into a messy human heap. But when, when this um, really sort of worked powerfully um, in 2015, a team of 12 strangers to each other from absolutely peculiarly diverse backgrounds 
came together and worked on a very intense six-month period. Um, no developmental theory, no background in anything other than you know, their expertise. And we created a world-class event without a single human upset and entirely self-managed um, over a six-month period. And it was like watching an orchestra play without the conductor. It was just so inspirational. And people through that process got to grow up in their own wholeness in the end participation. So it's designed into the architecture of the self. Yeah, did that answer the question? Yeah, thank you. So I'm gonna hand to Kent. <laughs> and uh, so Kent, um, I, Kent was my, um, I met um, through the um, Open EXO community and, um, uh, and we've worked together on a project and um, you know, Kent's an amazing, uh, amazing human um, and quite an extraordinary uh, visionary in reference to technology. So um, I'm just going to hand it over to you, Kent. You've got about 15 minutes and then some. Okay. I'll start my timer. Uh, here we go. So, so I don't go over. But the, um, so, so I, I, you sent me this, uh, this little overview of what my, 15 minutes of fame here would be and it was pretty much talk about what you want Kent. <laughs> I said okay well um, that's pretty good so first and foremost I'll tell you kind of what I, I, I do here in this world um, you know I learned when I was really young that I had a particular uh, ability uh, to leverage technology and, and that manifested as me writing computer software when I was in sixth grade which was uh, a while back ago now uh, by most measures and so uh, these days it took me a long time to sort of sort this all out that I should take that sort of native to me capability and express it to the world uh, as a purpose uh, and so I put this up behind me here to, to, to show you this is my massive transformative purpose so pretty much every day uh, of my life uh, I'm looking at ways to take technologies, some of them wildly complex and some of them very, very simple. I mean, a, a pencil's a technology. So, you know, all technology and the ultimate and original technology was fire. So I mean it when I say, I look at every situation, I try to see how can I accelerate this? How can I make it bigger? How can I make it faster, uh, save time, save money, uh, help people be more effective? And this, you know, and, and that's the key word is, is, is people. So, you know, when you were talking uh, Christine about re regeneration or regenerative aspects. I just had two weeks of PTO and everybody's like, what did you do on your PTO? Well, I took a permaculture course from an Australian uh, named Jeff Lawton, uh, who was taught by a guy named Bill Mollison. And, you know, it was just incredible. I loved it so much. I've completely changed everything about how I'm approaching my gardening. I have three kids, a garden, a house, a business, you know, talk about complex, you know, Christine, it's just like, it's, it's nuts. So, but I look at all those things and I say, well, what technologies can I bring to bear? And it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. I, I, I don't think I'll ever look at the world the same after taking that course. And that had been on my to-do list for years. And I finally got to it a few weeks ago and it was amazing. So I wanted to share that first, just so you kind of know a little bit about who I am and what drives me. Uh, the things I've worked on with Christine have been really exciting and they kind of blend our worlds. So I thought I'd talk a little bit today about what world that is. One of the businesses 
that I am a co-founder in. Uh, Christine, you mentioned it. Thank you. It's called OpenEXO. And OpenEXO is setting out for nothing less uh, than transforming the world for a better future. This is clearly a task that will never end. What's important about that particular future is how we're going about it. And we're going about it by building a community, and in fact, a community of leaders. And um, the, the thing that we've done is we've created a platform, uh, and this is not an advertisement for the platform. The way I do this is to say, this is what I'm doing, right? So this is out in the world. I've spent five years. We've collected, um, collected, I don't know if that's the right word. We've convened the 6,350 people as of this moment who are all coming together who want to see the world better for their kids, their grandchildren, uh, and, and for themselves uh, along the way. And, and I've just been incredibly fortunate to do this. And, and this is, in fact, the reason I met Christine is because I've been doing this work. And this particular community does a couple of things that I might think would be interesting today. So uh, from a context setting perspective, we uh, I think a community needs a way to, uh, to, to exchange value, right? And so I've had numerous amazing conversations uh, over time with Christine about things called complementary currencies, cryptocurrencies, and things like that. And if you take a look inside of our community, we've created uh, in the circles, which are forums, a place where people can connect. This is, this is me leveraging technology to try to get people together right so that they can do things so that they can lead projects and then when they have those projects we need them to be able to get the other people that they need to do those projects and we happen to be in the midst of a depending on how you like to measure a global recession or a global depressionary looking kind of thing with a global pandemic all happening at the same time seems like from where i sit the world is on fire quite literally and um and so we created this marketplace where anybody can come and they can post up for what they need. And I mentioned the complementary currencies because you don't need necessarily say dollars or euros uh, to do so. Uh, we actually have a currency inside this community of over 6,300 people that they use to mark the exchange of value between one another. That's one of the things that money does. And we created something for the OpenEXO community uh, called the uh, EXO economy. Uh, and so, that economy has its own token and the token is currently still a private token in a closed circular economy. And when I mentioned permaculture, it was because if you look at the way uh, those teams of people regenerate uh, de uh, uh, degraded landscapes the, uh, on a very large and impressive scale and only in, the, in 10 years or less, in some cases, I, I have a similar thought that we can create a common currency of exchange or what I think of as the currency of transformation uh, on a global scale. So, so we did that uh, and we have this now. The currency itself is called EXOS. It is a cryptocurrency that is a ancestor, if you like, of Bitcoin. So it's, it's code base has a lineage, just like people do, uh, that goes all the way back to the original Bitcoin code base but we switched it around to make it proof of stake. We put the tokens and the management of the tokens, this is the exciting part, in the hands of the community over time, then they can use those tokens in the marketplace between each other to perform transformation services. And there's a whole bevy of those types of things. Um, and then they can exchange it with zero friction. 
well, okay, so there's a little friction. Crypto is still not that easy to use, but um, the idea that people in an open source way, everything's on GitHub uh, and in a fully auditable and transparent way that is privacy preserving uh, and using a tool called proof of stake, not proof of work, meaning we're not CPU intensive. You don't need a whole data center of computers to mine exos and create exos certified transactions and move things forward we've 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 created something really interesting and i tell people when i talk about this project that when we conceived it back in 20, 2016 i told the team that came together then and worked for two years to get the token live we went live in april of 2018 that this would be a 100 quarter project so Think about that just for a second. If you do the math, you, like 25 years, okay? So when was the last time you started a project that you said, okay, we'll be done in about 25 years? <laughs> you know, not, not very often, but, but, but something like this, what's amazing about that, that sort of positioning early on is it calms people down because money, money hits the amygdala and it makes people crazy. <laughs> so, and whether they have it or they don't have it, seems to work both ways. Uh, so you've gotta be pretty careful about how you introduce these types of mechanics into um, communities and, and systems of people. And so we, we set out to, to take our time. Uh, and that's why uh, we, we keep it private. That way we can figure out what it is. Uh, one of the, uh, give me a time check whenever Christine just kind of waved her hand or something because I, um, Okay, great. I forgot to hit the button on the timer, so the uh, yeah. Okay, great. And um, and so I so so there's I want to I want to sort of I'll draw a little line there and say so that's one of the things that I think could be of interest to this group is how how do you make money? You know, how can you make your own token, and what does that even mean? And the thing that we've learned that I want to share with that all in context. This was created for a community. It wasn't created and then we went and found a community. This is hypercritical in the creation of complementary currency or any comp currencies or any cryptocurrency is that you actually first make sure that you have a reason to make it. So you need the community first. Once you have the community, then you can tokenize it and you don't technically tokenize the community. What you're actually tokenizing is what's represented inside of this marketplace. This is the representation, the applicants to the opportunities in the marketplaces have capabilities, they have skills. Some of them are amazing leaders and those are your coaches and your lead consultants. They're the ones that, they're the rainmakers. They're the one that creates the projects. And you're actually tokenizing those capabilities. So when we set out to create a complementary currency for the exchange of value in a global community of 6,300 people in 100, 29 countries speaking 47 languages. That's what we did. We're tokenizing the capabilities of the underlying, the underlying capabilities of the members of the community for the benefit of doing projects together. And most of the people that work on HDXO projects will never ever meet each other uh, face to face. So that's technology is an empowering tool uh, for connection and community and communications, which is super critical. You talked about the steward being the cell wall and the inbound outbound. 
For us, those are the, the folks who moderate and facilitate our circle calls, which are modeled a little bit after sociocracy and holacracy in terms of our overall communications architecture for the network that gets the work done. That was a mouthful. But yeah, that's, um, that's kind of what we're up to. Uh, and I, I, I couldn't be more excited because it's leading to a type of opportunity that are insane. <laughs> so we have this thing called EXO World. I, I, I have no idea if anybody here has had a chance to, to see any of this, but EXO World is an event series uh, that we've been running for a while now. And when people come to these events, they say things like, it was a truly global digital experience. It wasn't just the best event I ever went to change my life. When, when people say something like that to you, you gotta go, whoa, hang on. <laughs> Uh, you sure you went? <laughs> no, but, but no, it's amazing. And, and the reason I, I mention it is because some of the people that attended that event called us up and said, we need to protect and preserve the world's oceans. Now, keep in mind, I had just taken a course on permaculture. So I'm like, yeah, we do. And they said, and by the way, I'm from Mauritius. Uh, I spoke at the EXO World uh, Summit last April, and I want to spearhead and have received funding already for the creation of, of, a, of a nonprofit to do so. So we, we, and we, and they said, we want your help to do it and we want to work with your community to do it. So I could have never, ever five years ago when we made the company, three years ago when we started talking about the token, told you that we'd be working on preserving and protecting the world's oceans starting, you know, August, 2020. Who knew that, right? But this is the kind of really beautiful thing that can happen in a closed circular economy where you do go out and prop people up and help them and, and show them, uh, show the world about them, their capabilities, and even do crazy things like tokenize those capabilities. We have an opportunity now to have a material impact on this terribly negative thing that's happened in, in Mauritius. And to do so, um, an opportunity posted to create an application that would uh, take map data and um, community crowdsourced data with cell phones, uh, mash all that together and create an overlay that then could be stamped on a blockchain. You can guess which one. In this case, it's the Exos blockchain. So that that evidence, there's an interesting word to use, uh, would be admissible in a court of law. So it's not just a picture on somebody's phone anymore. That's crazy. Our community was able to bring that online in three weeks from the time we got that call from that previous speaker at an EXO World event last April. That's the power of community and technology as an accelerator. It's not the technology that made it happen, it's the people. And, and I, I just, that just happened uh, as you find me here. And, and I, I, as I said, I, I could have never ever predicted that that's where this would go. Then we got a call by some folks who want to do EXO health. They want to tackle breast cancer. We got a call from some folks that want to do EXO mental health. A lot of people need a lot of help right now. The world's a bit weird. Wonderful. We've got uh, a call from some folks who, uh, we've got an event coming up that's going to be called um, uh, Surviving School 2020. That's made for parents. I'm a parent with two kids. I have three kids a fifth grader, a second grader, and a preschooler, and they're all in there right now in our school room, our little one-room school room. Uh, so it's it's pretty wild. And, and so I, I, I have that opportunity because someone saw our work on oceans. So it's, you see, there's this system that's building up steam, and 
I'm not doing that. It's just like you were talking about. I am. A, I'm. I guess I'm a steward on this, and, and to use your words, but I, I do dive in and fix. There was some crazy stuff happened with Ocean Excel last week. I had to dive in and do a little course correction. But uh, um, the old joke about steering a tanker—it's all true. But the uh, but yeah, that, that's that's what I wanted to share, and and really saying that as a, I think as a steward leader. Um, you do this, right? You tap it a little over here and you move it a little over there. And sometimes you do stop things and make sure it's not going to be harmful. But uh, I, I wanted to share how we're seeing that happen in the world. And I get to be a small part of that. And it's, it's just unbelievable. Um, absolutely fantastic. And um, there's a principle um, that we, that is part of Centropic, um, the principle of precession, which is um, the, at 90 degrees to what you're going for, um, you get what you're actually there to do. So, um, uh, so we set out to go here and the processional effect is the unforeseen, unpredictable, uh, but actually the main effect of what you set out to do. And so it sounds like that's happening for you. <laughs> and, uh, and just an FYI, um, we have, um, there is, you might want to look at Centropic Farming now that you're permaculture, um, which is nice. And also um, we have um, quite a few people in the Centropic community that are heavily into um, either permaculture, regenerative agriculture, Centropic Farming, you know, all of that. Oh, wonderful. No surprise, but yeah. Wonderful. I just I just proposed to our core team that we needed to do something to help apply our capabilities, our technology, our community, our token uh, to the restoration of degraded landscapes. So there are enough people out there that are already doing this, but wouldn't it be great if we could find a way to make that go faster using technologies? I can connect you in, um, including, you know, with people who are working heavily in the Alan Savory area and so on. That's awesome, because I, I don't know where to start, but I, I, I came away going, that has to happen. And, and, and knowing that it's possible, and you can even make that kind of dramatic, dramatic ecological change in less than 10 years, yeah. I can actually do something in my lifetime. Before the permaculture courses, I didn't think it was possible. I thought this would be something I'd have to infect my children with, <laughs> you know? So, so no, uh, I actually see a possibility uh, to make meaningful global uh, ecological change. So. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. Um, I just want to open up to any questions before we go to Mark. Has anyone got any questions of Kent? Um, you can see uh, you can see how um, how beautiful he marries humanity and technology. Um, we have Audrey on the call, who's also very definitely in the um, the warm data space of technology here. But anyone got any questions? I have a question. Yes, Mark. Kent, good good to meet you. We've had a few email exchanges. Yeah, yeah. Let's go back on that. Is the is the token backed by anything at this point? Ah, that's a wonderful question. It is not a stable coin, so it's not like pegged to a global fiat currency. Yeah. Uh, it operates a bit more like Bitcoin and then it's backed and underwritten, if you like, by the capabilities and belief is an important factor in money. Uh, uh, so it is really underwritten by the capabilities and belief in the community that it has value. And I know to some people that sounds crazy. I get it. Again, think very long term. Uh, and just say neither is the dollar, really. It's backed by the belief that the U.S. is all right, or it used to be. So where's that going? Where's that going to go? I'm I'm a, I'm here in America. Uh, there's a there's a guy that was on our calls, um, uh, Jeff Jeff Booth, I, I who who 
he wrote a book uh, and his book, if I think of it, I'll, I'll yell it out or put it in the chat. But he explained why, even if you believe the dollar's good, this is why it's not. He really goes into debt and GDP and a bunch of global factors. And it's just like, oh, boy, maybe I should buy some Bitcoin. That's what you think after you listen to Jeff. So I, I think it's okay. Uh, and I think it's a, a long-term play. Now, having said that, we are creating sister economies. And some of those sister economies are backed by other things. And that injects value into the core token, uh, the Exos token. Tokenomics of Exos, love to have the conversation, longer, longer conversation. Thank you. Cool. Any other questions? I've well, got time for one more quick question. Um, if anyone's got a question for Ken. Either raise your hand or unmute, just ask the question. If you, uh, if you think of something after, I always say this when I give any kind of talk or, or presentation, I, I don't go anywhere. I'm right here. I'm one step away. Send an email, a, a WhatsApp message. Um, you know, I'm mostly friendly as long as you don't hit me up too early in the morning. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, if, uh, sometimes I find things like this needed a little time to bake. But yeah, just let me know. Let me know what we can do. Check out the community. Um, Christine is one of our esteemed members. So, uh, yeah, she knows where we are. Yeah, and just, uh, you can find kentmangley.com. Um, very easy. <laughs> yep. Um, he's very easy, easily found. Thank you, Kent. Um, I'm going to, uh, and it's no surprise, I, you know, I, there is not necessarily a huge amount of, uh, um, I trust myself when I pull these things together, but when they actually come up, I'm going, oh, geez, you know, it's no surprise because Mark um, Eckhart is also, um, he's the CEO of a um, global community of social entrepreneurs. And um, uh, I first came across uh, Common in 2015 when um, I was creating a whole um, Big Blue Sky, which led to, the, led to what we're now doing. Um, but I've, I've known Mark and worked with Mark, interestingly, on a complementary currency for community camp. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, and, That's awesome. Which is its own story. Uh, yes. It doesn't need to be told. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Mark is an incredibly um, beautiful, gracious human. We haven't, uh, like with Kent, haven't yet had the privilege of meeting face to face, although many of my friends and colleagues have. But. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, um, it, over to you, Mark. Great. Thank you, Christine. Um, is it possible for me to share my screen? I have, oh, a, yeah. I have a deck that I'll run people through. And, and Kent, I want to know what you were using there. It's just like, how do, you, how do you share screens without like disappearing behind the great wall of slide decks, you know? You just got a live broadcast. So ping wow. me after. And I, I didn't mention it, but there's a show. It's called Digitize Live on YouTube where I go into a lot of this. So it's because uh, we're trying to wow. empower people with technology, right? So getting a message out is key. So back over to you though. Right on, thanks. Go, go Mark, let's see. Okay, uh, well, thank you, Christine. And it's good to be here with all of you. I'm in Los Angeles um, and uh, kind of suffering the, the effects of the fires as well. I, I happen to have to go to San Francisco over the weekend and the entire drive from Los Angeles with to San Francisco was, you know, covered with a blanket of smoke. So really, really intense here. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and share screen, and I'll just share a little bit about Common and our origins and our background. 
And then I'll get into some of our operating principles. So as Christine shared, we're a creative accelerator and community based in the US. Um, oops. There we go. And we were founded by four pretty, hmm. Technology, you love it? Yep. <laughs> there we go. Sometimes it's it on autoplay, you gotta go faster. <laughs> three, times, three times is a charm. Um, we were founded by four really amazing folks who um, have spent the majority of their career in the world of marketing, advertising, design, and communications. And so you're looking at four of the best of the best who arrived uh, at a certain place uh, in their lives where they have had just a moment of like, what are we doing? We're helping these multinational corporations make billions of dollars. We're not seeing any of that success uh, flow back into the communities and uh, we're no longer going to lend our talents and our networks uh, to that end. Uh, so they founded Common and because of that creative DNA, uh, we have a little, a slightly different perspective on business. So we do see business through the lens of design, branding, marketing, and communications. Um, and so we're kind of roll the sleeves up, folks. We're getting, we, we're getting the trenches, jump in the trenches and build and, and make things. And so we just have a little different set of optics from that of, let's say, folks who are coming from the financial industry who are looking through the financial lens first. Um, and because of that creative DNA, that we've inherited from our founders, we've been able to do a wide range of things. So uh, our job is really to link arms with anybody in the world who is, is striving to make a difference and building entities and vehicles to do that. So we've been able to stage pitch events throughout the world, 25,000 people in Santiago, Chile, uh, coming together to celebrate social impact and change. Uh, maniacal business attacks is our version of design thinking. And so we've we've produced and hosted just numerous uh, processes and workshops for people around the globe. We're constantly doing creative and strategic work as a consultancy. So brands like Patagonia will hire us uh, and work with us to do and build and create whatever it is that they want to bring to market. And all along the way over the 10 years that we've been around, uh, we've been advising early stage ventures and entrepreneurs. And um, over and over and again, uh, as I focus and zero in on the advisory work we've been doing over the years, we kept hearing the same thing from entrepreneurs. I shouldn't have to give up equity or relocate my life to accelerate my business. And we says over and over and over again. And so many folks who had great ideas that just expressed this immense frustration about not being able to gain traction and elevation faster. So that led us to just doing a quick kind of poke around at the business ecosystem. And we saw very, very quickly, and it didn't take, you know, a special set of eyes or lenses, but we just realized without poo-pooing anyone, because everyone has a role that they play in the business ecosystem, but we realized very quickly that VC is um, a, as a commodity and an exclusive commodity at that. And traditional incubators and accelerators have an element of exclusivity to them as well. And they're often backed by a venture fund. And so we concluded that only a small percentage of companies are ever gonna secure venture capital or be selected for an incubator and accelerator program. And yet they have the same needs for access tools and resources. And so with that in mind, we asked ourselves if we really are committed to bending the trajectory that capitalism is on, if we really are committed to making a really big impact through these entities that are being created, launched and promoted, then where should we be focusing? Who isn't being supported? And so those larger two circles towards the bottom of the screen here, the self-funded or angel-backed 
and the every man and woman for his or herself is where we predominantly focus and, and work with people. Um, so that gave rise to our community, our community model, model which can be described as a global family uh, compromising of social entrepreneurs and professionals who accelerate each other's businesses. And in the middle of that immense amount of activity and exchange, we play a kind of a role of steward um, we play the role of catalyst and connector and do everything that we can to help everyone get clarity about where they are and what needs to follow and so they can ensure their progress and who can be included and introduced to that process as it's unfolding in real time. Um, to date, we're in 21 countries. We're working with folks in 27 different industries. The age spans of the people operating these entities begins at 21 years young and it extends all the way to 80 years young. And that's a stat that I'm really, really proud of. Um, the size of the entities range from publicly traded. We've got folks who are doing over $100 million in annual revenue, all the way across the board to folks who are validating an idea in hopes of bringing it out into the world. And we have a lot of folks who have no business experience. So they're coming from a variety of fields, science, et cetera, and other, and need help bringing their idea in, into the world. Um, so here's a few examples of folks that are part of the community. So we'll, together we're making sure that kids learn about money with their families, uh, that families in India have work and, and nourishment, that organizations can harness the power of volunteers, um, keep, keep going here, endangered species are protected from extinction, uh, nanotechnology is used to protect the environment in new ways, and social businesses can access cutting-edge legal services. I'm just going to skip over here to the last one. Businesses are protected from violent extremism. So really wide range of entrepreneurs and entities, and that makes for a really rich dynamic and mix. Um, and here's some other examples. We've got Christine in Centropic, who we are so honored and proud to have. And then from left to right, we have Brandzuka, which is an online advertising platform that's really democratizing uh, how you can promote and advertise online. So you may be saying that doesn't sound like a very typical uh, centropic enterprise. Um, our embrace is that we meet you where you're at and we find where you are on the spectrum of doing harm to doing extremely good things. And we work with you there in hopes of progressing you towards doing extremely good things. A company like Brandzuka is also one that we regard as a bridge organization, meaning they're providing something and making, act, and, and for making um, tools and platforms available that are normally out of reach for an early stage venture or something that isn't fully funded. Um, so we've got Cape Ventures Wine Company doing great work to transform the supply system in the South African wine industry to dry wire that's using technology to fight pollution and address climate change. The Economic Space Agency is really pushing the, the edge and the front line in terms of cryptocurrency and what's possible there in the form of new economies. LGHTV, creating really empowering, informative content for different platforms online. Oh My Condoms is a brand that's really committed to transforming or eliminating the stigma attached to um, the LGBTQ community. And then we've got Starvation Alley, which is in the, in the field of agriculture and delivers and creates uh, products uh, built on and based on uh, cranberries. So here's a few of our key operating principles. So I'm shifting from talking about who we are and kind of just sharing some of the folks who are part of the community to the fundamentals or the, the, the foundation upon which the community really operates. Um, the first is this build capacity or we build capacity to, to operate in extreme uncertainty. 
So when we started creating the model for the, uh, for the community, we knew immediately that we were moving faster and faster towards uncertain times. And we wanted to do everything we could to ensure that regardless of what happened out in the world and culture, that we would remain standing. Because we really take the fact that we're here to serve and support our members seriously. And if we go away, that would leave a vacuum that they would be left to fill. Maintain a clear threshold for entry. So anyone who becomes a member of the common community goes through an application process and then we have an interview with them in real time. And then based on the outcome of that conversation, they're, they're invited to join or not. Um, we're designed to shut down in 24 hours and no one gets hurt. So we're not venture back. We've not taken outside capital. Everything that we use to operate it is generated by delivering value to our members and then return pay the $99 a month fee. And then we supplement our revenue through the consulting work that we do with the likes of Patagonia and other brands out in the world. We don't hide behind large profits. Uh, we charge $99 a month uh, for membership. Uh, that breaks down to $18 per year per member in profits. So I've done everything to put the pressure on us from a profitability point of view, meaning we're either exceeding our commitment to deliver value or not, and we'll either be effectively moving towards our mission and fulfilling our mission of helping to bend the trajectory of capitalism by the sheer volume of members that we have, not based on the amount of money that we have in, in our coffers. Um, we source needs from the community, so we operate with a very, very lean uh, team, and we have not invested in physical buildings or really deep, robust infrastructure. So whenever there's a need, the first place we look is into the community, and that's part of our commitment to make sure that the community has opportunities, is receiving compensation for work, and that we model the behavior that we want our members to, to in, embody and take on and onboard themselves. Um, we don't design away imperfection. I'm the first person to admit that I do a lot of things wrong and I leave a lot of errors in plain view. Um, and that's something that we encourage all of our members to embrace. It's about getting things out to the world, testing, learning, calibration. And if you're, if you're worried and obsessed with having everything be perfect, you're going to move too slow to keep up with culture. Uh, tell the truth about social environmental crises. Uh, there's a lot of debate uh, that we're often part of about how should you be painting a picture of a brighter future? Should you be kind of glossing over what's really going on? We've, it's, we're just committed to telling the truth and letting people navigate based on the information that we have from science and other credible sources. And then drive towards shared value creation. Um, we know that most people who approach Common are, are likely um, coming with uh, a kind of a traditional mindset when it comes to, the, uh, comes to entrepreneurship. And on top of that, they've layered a social mission. Um, so, and that's in large part because so many of these folks that we're working with are entering entrepreneurship for the first time. So there's nothing wrong. They're just kind of operating based on what they've heard in culture, what they've been taught in school, et cetera, et cetera. And so we're constantly working to steer people in the direction of shared value creation. So if there's ever an ex exchange, of course they should benefit as should the other person, but what's the sum total of, or what's the result of that exchange between two members and how is it adding value overall into the community and for the community? So we create dynamics that require members to exchange multiple types of value in order to get to money or compensation. And we do that in the form of you know, basic requirements for participation, 
um, asking people to post things uh, once a week on Slack, for example, which is a platform that we use for sharing and exchange, asking people to acknowledge another person's request for help, even if you don't or aren't able to fulfill the need to maintaining a regular schedule of meetings and advisory sessions with myself and team members, et cetera, et cetera. And so we found that by um, kind of creating a pathway to actually getting to the part, the money part or the money form of value and the exchange of multiple values in their experience, that ultimately the results are bigger and people actually find themselves making more money than they would if they had kind of gone straight forward or operated kind of in a similar domain or through or from the traditional mindset that we've inherited uh, for entrepreneurship. Um, we're adamant about not building an exclusive club. Uh, so we, again, there's a spectrum that we always assess people against when they're applying. We don't necessarily say no if we meet somebody who's stood up what we deem a traditional business that hasn't been founded on the DNA of impact or centropic principles. Rather, we, would, we prefer to invite them in and work with them over time to transform their entity and how they're operating. So you get a really interesting mix of people who are extremely sophisticated and experienced in the world of centropic and impact, uh, interacting with, with folks who have, again, a very traditional sense of what a business enterprise is. And let's see, um, we do a lot of work to help connect people to their own value. And Christine touched on this earlier. Um, it's very interesting within the context of a community, a lot of people arrive um, just not understanding what it is that they bring or not clear on how they can share what they bring and want to make available to the community. So we help people connect with that. And then we do a lot of matchmaking. We do a lot, spend a lot of time and pay careful attention to how we're helping people meet each other and how those introductions are made. Um, and then we evaluate relationships based on all forms of value. So we have people in the community who are not able to pay or have been paying the $99 a month fee and for whatever reason have said, I need to pause. So that's fine. The model is designed to not put pressure on a small group of people to kind of carry the day. At $99, we can constantly fluctuate between a certain, you know, around a certain, a certain percentage of folks who aren't able to pay or are paying part of the dues um, combined with everybody, people who are paying all of, all of the membership fee. And so we don't shut the door. If somebody says, I'm not able to pay, we keep them going. Uh, we encourage them to continue participating and working with us in the same fashion. And we found that that obviously extends the relationship over several months, if not years. And it actually helps to shift people's sense of themselves and what they, who they are, what they, and the value they have to bring and how they can leverage it to better themselves, but anybody that they're in relationship with. And so just to kind of summarize what all this has produced in terms of results, uh, COVID here in the States has been especially tough, really, really, really tough. And over the last three months, uh, I guess our model has been pressure tested in a way that we could have never anticipated. And out of the several hundred businesses that um, are part of our membership currently or community currently, no one has closed due to COVID. Um, there are people who have elected just to do different things because they were kind of at the end of their rope anyways. But anybody that has wanted to stay in business and found themselves against really pressing times has stayed in business. And that's the result of the work we've done directly with them, but more so it is a reflection of the way that the community has responded. So all the principles that I've shared with you prior to now 
basically have us saying, oh my gosh, this is actually working. The things that we're valuing and putting priority on are actually paying off and allowing us to operate in uncertain times and to continue making an impact and helping people make an impact in the world. Uh, so just to kind of go down the list and this, the list gets a little more traditional. Uh, I can't uh, even- I'm sorry, I'm, I'm gonna have to stop you because we've got one minute. <laughs> Oh, okay. So there's the list right there. I was going to finish it up and say high five and thank you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we got one minute, but I really honor the time of people here on, on this particular call. So, um, and there's no time for questions. Um, That's it. Yeah, so thank you for letting me share. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you can put the, if you can, um, it's common.is. Um, it's very I'll easy. put it here. Yeah, um, common.is. Um, and I'm sorry I had to cut you off, but I do really um, hold that time here um, as, uh, as an important priority, given that in Australia it's nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> People have uh, work and places to go to. Um, no problem. Yeah, um, so I just wanted to close, let you know that the, the next America's Based Masterclass on Centropic um, is October 6th America time, which is 5 p.m. Pacific, and um, 7, 7, October 7th Sydney time, um, which is a Wednesday eight weeks um and the the, the uh i think the how, how do we read more about that will be in the chat channel hopefully um and the next alumni call which is um at the opposite time zone because we work between europe and americas um we have daniel kristen Weil. um uh kent daniel is one of the world's um, leading experts in regenerative cultures and um and he's a, a, a colleague and friend of mine um he lives in the office spain um, and he will be um, presenting his ex Spindhorn, but also, um, oh, he's got uh, Schumacher College. He's got his PhD, I think, from Schumacher College and so on. And then on the 19th of um, November, the next America's one, I'm really excited to have Jeremy Lent, who is the author of one of my favorite books um, of the last five years, um, the title is Happening Instinct, A Cultural History of Human Humanity's Search for Meaning. Jeremy is also in the San Francisco Bay Area, although he's a Brit, um, and uh, so he'll be on that. So thank you, everybody, for showing up. Thank you. A very, very special thank you to both Ken and Mark. Amazing community work with different lenses, different focuses. Um, thank you, everybody. I really appreciate your time, and hopefully we'll see you on the next call. Big love, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. It's really a pleasure. Bye-bye. If you loved what we're doing here at Centropic World, uh, we invite you to visit the website, centropic.world. Uh, we are building a global community of incredible people that are creating Centropic enterprises for a world with a future, and really delighted to uh, be seeing that taking place over this year. There are many ways that you can participate uh, from, from the easiest, which is go onto the website, sign the pledge, which is a one-page sort of commitment to becoming Centropic. Uh, joining Centropic Silver, which is at no charge or pay what you are able. Uh, this sort of gap gives you access to some of the core um, tools and models and also the community. And then take a masterclass, which is always a price at an affordable fee, but enables you to learn some of the principles of Centropic and uh, then gets you access to the sort of community of practice. Uh, 
the next masterclass is for the Americas time zone commencing October 6th in the United States, October 7th in Australia. And then the next Euro-based masterclass is in January, January 18th, starting in January 18th. We'd love to see you and uh, uh, any questions or any um, any anyone who believes that they're an exemplar of Centropic, please reach out to us and uh, let's create a world with a future through enterprise. Thank you for listening. <laughs>